Vatican II called the family the domestic church. Uh, maybe the bishops didn't visit my family growing up, but uh, it is true that we, it is in the family that we first learn about love, that we learn about love and sacrifice for one another. And hopefully there we learn that God is love. Now this isn't just some cute saying, God is love. I mean, it is scriptural. First John 4, 8 says just that, God is love. Now for authentic love to exist, there needs to be a giver and a receiver. There is one God, but lucky for us, there are three persons in that one God. God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit. So God the Father perfectly and completely loves God the Son. God the Son perfectly and completely receives the love of, from God the Father. And then He perfectly and completely returns that love back to God the Father. This exchange of love is so perfect and complete that it is the third person of the Trinity. It is God the Holy Spirit. This is why we say in the Creed that the Holy Spirit proceeds from the Father and the Son. Now according to modern polls or whatever, this may upset some of you, but I'm going to say it anyways. Uh, men and women are different. Yes, men and women are equal in dignity, but we are different. Now we'll try and keep this PG, but men in their bodies first give life and love. Women in their bodies first receive life and love. The Apostle John reminds us that it is God who first loved us. That is why we, the church, are always referred to in the feminine. God first loved us. We are those who are first loved. Yes, just as God the Son loves God the Father back, we, the church, are called to love God back. This is why the church is sometimes called the Bride of Christ. This imagery is heavily used in the book of Revelations, the last book of the Bible. It is also used in the first reading from the Vigil Mass that, we, uh, that people heard last night. Isaiah says that God once again call, will call Jerusalem, my delight, and her land espoused. In that reading, Isaiah goes on to say that the Lord delights in Jerusalem. Quote, as a young man marries a virgin, your builder shall marry you. And as a bridegroom rejoices in his bride, so shall your God rejoice in you. As you may recall from Sunday school, God created the universe and then made Adam and Eve out of pure gift. God does not need us human beings. Again, God is love without us. Even before God created the universe, He was a community of persons, a community of love. God does not need us. But out of a pure gift of love, He wanted to create us. He wanted to create us to share in His love. Now, it started out great, but then that whole thing with Satan happened. Satan tempted Adam and Eve into sin. And we have been sinning ever since. God loves us too much to leave us there, to leave us in our sins. Therefore, God has a plan without trampling on our free will to get us back. He, the second person of the Trinity, so the second person of God, took on our human nature. He became part of his creation. Jesus, one, the one divine person, 
took upon himself our human nature. Thus, Jesus, the second person of the Trinity, is one divine person with our two full natures, human and divine. As our gospel today reminds us, Jesus took on human flesh, that the word of God became enfleshed. Now, all of us are born with some sense of justice. I mean, we hear that when we hear little kids say, that's not fair. That sense of justice comes from God, who is perfectly just. But thankfully, God is also merciful. So someone or something has to make up for the injustice of our actions, for our sins. We can make up for it a little bit by saying we're sorry or doing other actions of reparation. But compared to the perfection of God, we cannot completely make up for the injustice in our actions. <clears throat> Thus, Jesus had to die on the cross for our sins to completely make up for the injustice we cause in our actions. Now, sometimes kids learn better by feeling the consequences of their actions. And, I mean, that's true of all of us uh, adults as well, that we become more holy sometimes when we feel the consequences of our sins. But we could argue that we never feel the consequences of our sins completely. For Romans 6.23 says the wages of sin is death. And thankfully we don't die every time we sin. But thankfully Romans 6.23 goes on to say, that it is a gift of God through salvation, through Jesus Christ our Lord. God is perfectly just, but also merciful. Jesus came to earth to bridge humanity in God, to bridge justice and mercy. Jesus in his death created, creates perfect justice for our sins in a way that we could never do on our own. But instead of completely passing on that justice to us, he extends to us some degree of mercy. Instead of receiving what we deserve, we receive an invitation to love and eternal life, eternal life in heaven. But why Christmas? Why didn't Jesus come as a full-grown man and just start with the death on the cross? As the saints have said, God and Jesus entered into the entire human experience except sin. Thus God, the second person of the Trinity, who is outside of time and space, entered into human history, entered into our universe as a baby. Now God is our true king. King David was the greatest king in Israel's history. God promised that a descendant of David would sit on the throne for all eternity. This is why the gospel for the Vigil Mass is the genealogy of Jesus and the gospel of Matthew, which is not easy to proclaim, by the way. Jesus, a descendant of King David, is a true king, is God himself. And he will, he will be king forever of the new Jerusalem, the new Israel, which is heaven. The birth of Jesus was not without scandal. Mary is found a child uh, miraculously by the Holy Spirit, of which most people didn't understand at the time. Joseph, knowing the goodness of Mary, at first did not know what to do, uh, or how to take the news that his bride-to-be was pregnant. However, in a dream, God tells Joseph to take Mary as his wife, and Joseph obeys, and probably against a lot of opposition from family and friends. 
However, somehow Joseph figures out a way to transport Mary 90 miles from Nazareth to Bethlehem uh, while Mary is nine months pregnant riding on a donkey. Once there, they cannot find a place to stay. They have to trust that God will provide a place. And finally, they find a cave on the outskirts of town. And yet even here, the lowly, smelly shepherds visit, and after visiting, give praise to God. God loves us enough to create us. God loves us enough to give us a shot at being with Him forever in heaven. God loves us enough not to trample on our free will. Thus God concocted this perfect plan to offer us redemption and salvation from our sins while still respecting our free will. Thus he became part of his own creation 2,000 years ago. He came as a little humble baby, but a baby that was going to change salvation history, change human history. Today we celebrate Jesus' coming, becoming one of us, taking on human nature. In four and a half months, we will be celebrating Jesus dying for our sins, arising from the dead to give us a shot at eternal life. Today, we celebrate the beginning of the end of humanity being lost in our sins. Jesus comes to give us hope that we can all be that God created us to be. If we open our hearts to his love and mercy, all is not lost. In fact, in Christ, we can gain everything and more that Adam and Eve lost when they took that bite from, of the forbidden fruit in the Garden of Eden. Today we celebrate the fact that God has come to offer us eternal life. May we say yes to Jesus. May we say yes to his love. May we say yes to his mercy. May we say yes to uh, Jesus Christ so that we can spend all eternity with him in heaven.